International. Just to save an awkward note, uh, my dad has passed away since that oh. podcast, but I'm not like sensitive about it. Excellent. Okay. Thank you for telling me that. Yeah, because yes. I would hit the blind drop that. Oh, he's dead now. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, and Over he said he was go. fine talking about it on the stuff. Yeah, you're, there's nothing that's going to be uncomfortable. You're dead. You're okay. Dad Asperger's dad. Your dad. Yeah. Dead Asperger's dad. Yes. Which also Spells. stands Parkins for dad. Parkinsburgers or whatever, yeah. Parkinsburgers? Oh, he died of Parkinson's mm-hmm. and also has Asperger's. Died of Asperger's as well. <laughs> Parkinsburgers. <laughs> oh, well, if he mouthful. didn't know how to talk to his doctor about the Parkinson's and then he didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> just, it was the social. He could, could, have, could have beat it if he had just been a little more direct. Yeah, yeah. he just wasn't making the eye contact uh, enough to the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad that you also have your emotions. What do you think your emotions are um, repressed, or that you experience them differently than other people? Or I feel detached from them sometimes, like yeah, they're detached. existing elsewhere. My line of my favorite song uh, was "Reptar." Water runs is there was there's a I forget what it is. If my if my my if my body's a holy temple and my mind is a web i spin there's a feeling in it inside my insides but it just won't let me in and i don't know what that's about but i like that like just feeling disconnect like your emotions are happening somewhere else and you're just watching them sometimes do you think that you have access to them if you want sometimes i'm not like an emotionless person but like when stuff gets really heavy i just find myself just being like that's not I'm not for gonna, me. Yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah. just gonna like, oh, that's 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 interesting. That's going on, but like, especially with hard things, with like depression and yeah. grief. Yeah. Like, have you ever had to try to comfort someone else? It's hard. Really difficult. Huh? It's hard. I have, I'm really bad at it. And having having a girlfriend has really made me realize, like, oh, and I guess I'm, I'm also I'm also selfish. Like, I'll accept comfort sometimes, but then don't, don't know how to give it. Yeah. And it's not even self. If you just don't have that skill, then it, like I'm sure you would like to be more comforting. You mm-hmm. Just don't know how, and then you have weird facial expressions while they're crying, and you're like, <laughs> and all your just, solutions yeah. are really practical, right? Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> wow, too yeah. practical. Hey, we've all got yeah. Asperger's. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> um, yeah, no, my my wife had some tragedies happen last year, and I was just like, I and I had joked about it on stage before because I was like. Well, her grandma's gonna die and our dog's gonna die and then you know, I hope those happen far apart because I am not good at comforting people and yeah. they did not at all so that's 
I hate to always bring it back though. It's such a stand-up thing. I like I had that before I did stand-up, and man, it, like I punched up my dad's eulogy like mm-hmm. i had to and my girlfriend was like i would be so upset if you were trying to write jokes at my funeral i'm like this is if, oh, if i'm writing die if I'm, first then yeah. <laughs> yeah. i better die first yeah. yeah uh for me it's like if i'm writing jokes about something it means i care about it like yeah. writing yeah. jokes is hard and i put a lot into it and like for me to like open up my dad's eulogy with like a line that made people chuckle it was like that to me was like my way of like showing that this was yeah, like a he- big thing him. for me yeah. yeah yeah i mean and, and we don't have access to our mo- like yeah i'm just and not sure process things for sure just like the writing down and figuring out like where the humor and silver linings of the whole thing mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. is just like a great way to get through something I I mean, like. we should probably still talk to some therapy people about this probably so. i might get afford one you great? <laughs> okay. yeah i can't afford it but one day when we're doing better <laughs> just to make sure I'm like is it okay to just cause, but if I watch a movie or something or like a nice commercial comes on I can cry about that kind of thing I have trouble even on an uh, airplane you don't cry no hmm. no I've cried I cried what when uh, so when I got fired when I just moved to California and like got like everything went south and my car got broken into I lost my work computer and my my uh, my job as a uh, result it was like that was that was a practical I cry I cried really hard over yeah. that yeah especially I was talking to my dad about it and I was like I, I moved out here to pursue this dream and I thought I was like stable and was going to be able to have a day job while doing it and now I have no idea what I'm going to do it's all going to fall flat because I'm an idiot and then I cried I think a year or two later when I fired my manager like really hard that was really difficult for some reason um, and then when my dad died, it was like months. And I think I finally one yeah. night was just talking about it on the phone. There it is. And yeah. uh, got it out. But yeah, yeah, that all sounds so familiar. Okay, cool. Well, now that we. <laughs> and that's gotten... how to make it in comedy. Hey. Yeah. Hey. yeah. Hey, if you cry more often than once every two years, you're probably in the wrong industry, <laughs> comics. Um, so how long have you been doing comedy? Uh, coming up on. I'm thinking six and a half right now. Six and a half years. Six and a half. And, and so you're still keeping track. I always wonder if I'm going to stop knowing kind of within a quarter of a year how long I've been doing comedy. But maybe after 10 years, I'll stop knowing. What's I yours? think Facebook will remind you whether or not. That's a good point. We yeah. need a lot of reminders and calendars and stuff. Uh, I'll be at four years on February 4th. That's a good. That's a fun time. Yes, except just like you, I started when I was 23, but then I quit for four and a half years. The um, second part's not just like you, but yeah, big, big regret. Anyway, everything happens for a reason, right? Yeah. Uh, and so you started in Houston? Yes. And you you just went to college in Houston? I went to college in Houston. Well, I grew up when, so I moved around. I was in, in Corpus Christi, Texas, till I was like from ages three to 13. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted to go back to Texas. So that was part of it. Interesting, yeah, but to a much better, much, yeah, much better, <laughs> bigger, <that's right. laughs> more cultured city. Uh, yeah, and I did want to say that, um, you know, if people do want to hear more about, we're not going to talk too much about your early life, although it's very interesting being in Corpus Christi in Atlanta and everything. Um, everything that happened before he started comedy, you can hear on the uh, Don't Ever Change podcast. Don't Ever Change podcast with John Roy. I talked a lot about that. Was, that's a fun one. Listen to other episodes, too. To. And I was just listening to the first half of it. And I'm already I'm going to finish it because it was uh, very interesting, um, and that's probably a great podcast. Oh, maybe that'll well, be you. my endorsement. Yeah. Hey, uh, no, because I damn it, I'm trying to change it to only be to, for comics. <laughs> okay, so you, did you start in college? No, no I started one good. year out. And what and wh- like so, I, the Houston scene now is so different than what it was six and a half years ago. Um, 
Like there wasn't the secret group. There wasn't, there weren't these festivals, right? I, yes, I got to see all of that. I was, um, sadly, I, I, I can't claim any credit for that, but that was it, w- what was going on in Houston at the time I started. And I, if any of these people are listening, that know that I, I love all of them. But it was a scene that was run by... Uh, kind of, uh, I guess I would have to call them road dogs, mm-hmm. um, kind of comics who were, who hadn't really picked up credits, but had been doing comedy a long time and had good hours and were on the road and doing, you know, could do rural rooms. And there was, you know, the, the improv, that was a big black room that no one had access to. Uh, and by big black room, sorry, it seats 460 seats in a market like Houston. The only acts that can really sell that place out are people like Bruce Bruce and Earthquake. So that was the kind of audiences there. Um, there was the uh, comedy showcase, which was way out. It was like a on the edge of town, kind of the Beltway, uh, and that was a, a, a very roady room. Um, and people weren't really trying there. And when I started, there just weren't that many people trying. And the scene was kind of run by the road dogs and that philosophy. And you know, it was kind of the echoes of uh, the the Kennison Hicks era, because that was the last those were the last big comics to come out of Houston and we were still living kind of in that. And I, I was, I was willing to play their games, the road dogs. Cause they, they do a whole, it's the whole idea of like comedy is suffering and you have to bomb. And I, I did all the mics and I, I hung out at the clubs and I started getting sets there and they took me on these little like short road trips. And then, uh, what was going on in the midst of all that was younger comics who didn't want to play those games and didn't value the crowds or the style in those rooms. Uh, people like Brian Ziola were coming to Austin and seeing the showcase scene, seeing mm-hmm. that you didn't, you weren't uh, a slave to their system. You could start your own. Uh, they started doing rooms at like like Rudyard's, and uh, eventually that whole thing. Those they created such a scene they didn't need clubs, right? And then they created the secret group, and now it's a, a they they created a middle market right. in that in that place. Yeah. So, but uh, you kind of got out before. All of that, right? You got out of Houston. Yeah, I then. didn't. I didn't get to. I, I got to see some of the showcases, and I saw open mics that were were, were developing in that direction. Yeah. Uh, but when I came to Austin, so I went to Austin for a summer before I left. So I was only in Houston about two, two years. And, then and before spent, you left Houston, though, you did win this Houston Funniest Person yeah, thing. Yeah, I won that a, a year in. Yeah. What? What? Well, I've never even heard of that. Is that still happening? I was the last one. Oh. <laughs> it has a Wikipedia page. It went on for twenty years, and for some reason, after that, it crumbled. Oh, interesting. Um, due to some internal politics. Where was where was that? All over the place. It was a, uh, it was, it wasn't like FBIA. It was done at different venues at all. You know, but big different rounds and then semifinals and you know, over over the course of a month kind of thing and mm-hmm. uh, like five minute rounds and eight minute rounds and ten minute rounds. Okay, so did you move uh, to Austin for summer shortly after that? A uh, year after that. So okay. like um, one year in almost to the day I did that and I wanted like sentimentally I wanted to leave a year after that. Hmm. Uh, but instead I had like a, a very small role in a movie, but it was enough of one that I had to be there all summer and yeah, spent the summer in Austin. I didn't do much stand up there oh. well, here while I was while I was doing it. But it was I remember being like having to really shake off some bad habits because I was I really admired what Austin comics did, which was not feel like they had to shoot to such a broad audience that it lowered you know, what they were you know talking about so. mm. well okay so you win the competition you're doing you're already starting to act did you <laughs> in college were you studying acting no no i had no background in it i was a uh, i was an applied math major i worked 
nonprofit for a little while out of college and I was working in finance, but like not like hardcore finance. I was it was a nine to five. That's yeah. such a transition, I'm sorry, from yeah. from one uh career to the other. Like what was the impetus? Like what made you start doing stand up? Was it something that you always wanted to do or was it you had just seen That's the question I get asked the most. I don't know. Well, it's just I a always, jump. It was always cool. It was always neat to me. I just never want my parents my dad was a scientist my my mom was in medicine and it was just drilled so heavily into my head that i wasn't going to do something like that that i was going to use math my my math skills and whatever career i took on that i never considered i never even fantasized about doing something like that so when i saw a flyer for an open mic and i talked to a couple people it was like it was a couple different things talking to different people and seeing different things and like podcasts i was like oh you can just go start doing that and i was like i'm 23 it's like feasible that it, it, at this early of a start, I could make it into a career, and let's see if I'm funny. And I, I, I had a lot of fun at my first mic, so I, I buckled down about two or three months in. Hell yeah. All right. And, yeah, so you didn't have that experience of, like, oh, bombing for a while, and then you, you just, oh, like... Oh, I did. Okay. I, but not I, your first My first mic. two sets were really fun, and then I bombed for, like, two or three months. Ah. And then slowly started picking back up. Gotcha. What do you think changed in terms of why you stopped bombing? Um, I mean, it's always a slow process, but the big thing was I thought I had to do different material every time. Uh And then I realized you could just sit and perfect jokes. And I was like, oh, that line works every time. And then you learn how like what an opening joke is. And I started, what was really fortunate was that the, uh, the comedy showcase and I have to give them all the credit. They started putting me up and doing guest spots like most weeks when I was about six months in. So I was getting these like really good club crowds to do nice. five, ten minutes in front of. It seems like in some ways you had the benefit of like, because I know people who start in smaller scenes like get opportunities like that yeah. earlier than in a lot of these places with all the showcase scenes. Um, there's so many comics who are already way better than you but but who are just been doing it for a year two three years you know four years Mm -hmm. so that when you start it's like it takes you a while to get into the showcases and then you're not sure to go to the club because you're like oh i'm working on all these open mics and showcases i think there's more focus it sounds like when you start in houston there are only so many options and so you immediately are trying to get into these clubs and showcases and then you're getting those kind of real opportunities and like it sounds like you had the benefit of a lot of worlds because here you have the road dogs and the clubs and then yeah. you start glimpsing this newer scene and the stuff that's in Austin. So you got to kind of like take from all of those. Yeah. Well, I, I have to say when I started, showcase wasn't a term I knew of. I can't remember a showcase show in my first year of comedy. So it was just straight to the clubs. That yeah. was the only thought. Um, I think it's seeing what Austin did I didn't. I didn't do enough with the Austin scene and the showcase scene um, until, and that was like a big hindrance for me when I got to LA and didn't know. Like I thought I was just supposed to do like treat you know a group of twenty people at a coffee shop like they were a club crowd and yeah, yeah, yeah. I still have. I'm still not great at that. <laughs> but uh, it was it, Houston, despite being the fourth biggest city in the country, was at that time a, a very small pond, and right. I wasn't. It wasn't a, a testament to my skill. It was just a testament to how little was going on that I was able to get to where I got to. It's really lucky. I, I might have given up anywhere else. That's interesting. So you moved to LA about two years in. Yeah. Um, why did you move to LA? I got on Comedy Central. I was a year and a half in, and I showcased at Cap City. 
for uh, for uh, the first season of a show called Adam Devine's House Party. I didn't uh-huh. know what the show was when I showcased. It was just a showcase for Comedy Central. And off that, they just taped it, sent it in, and they just offered me a spot on the show. Uh, and it was the biggest deal in the world to me then. Um, and that got me a manager. And mm. my, that manager got me uh, a college agent. And that, at the time, seemed like enough. I was like, oh, I'm wasting my time here. What am I going to get out of this? Just doing open mics and... Um, it was probably the wrong decision because it was a really rough year first year in LA. It's I don't know. It seemed like a real domino effect. You know, you're just kind of trying to ride that wave of yeah. like chase where the opportunities are. Yeah, what it seems like. What do you mean that you think it was the wrong decision? I think there. I I what I was just riding such a high high that I I my ego was so big and to get in LA just slaps you back down because I could go there with a TV credit but there was no one to vouch for me there well and no- you also had your car stolen and yeah. <laughs> all that I had saved up a lot of money at that time so I I, I still could have I still had the chance to float for a few months I knew that um, but like doing open, open mics in LA are so bad it's just the worst it's just the most demoralized you get penalized for having good jokes uh, what they, do you mean by that like they don't want to hear they want to hear like dark like weird meta shit like the stuff that people are like oh whatever you know if it, if it can work at an open mic it kills at a club bullshit they're different yeah. skills I'm not saying one's so you mean if you had a polished like solid joke they would be like oh whatever we're not gonna laugh at that on purpose yeah. if I went up and just did a you know like a tight three minute set perfect set a perfect punchline it would just be kind of weird because the room you gotta be kind of like goofy Loose. and maybe maybe I, I, I just wasn't present enough yeah. in those rooms but like it was really hard for me. Those rooms were really tough, and I never felt like I, I, I figured them out. And I still go back and do, try to do open mics uh, in like in New York now, and it's still I have no idea what I'm doing. I still bomb so hard. Yeah. Uh, I do think that that's something you have to be so present in smaller room open yeah. mics in whatever. Cause I felt that way when I moved here. I mean, and I was coming from Boston, so it's not like I was coming from a scene that was that different in terms of the way open mics should have felt. But I think in Boston there was more of a sense of like, yeah, you're working on a polished act. Um, yeah. And so when I came to Austin, like it, there's, so I remember just being at the Cherrywood open mic first time and doing jokes. And I'm like, these are solid jokes. Like, yeah. why are people looking at me like I'm you know, like an asshole? And yeah, and, but I bit that taught me. I immediately just was like, I got to figure out how to how to do this. And yeah, so that's in in, in L. A. I I don't even think it's particular to L. A. Or that they're like I, that you say that you're being penalized. I just think it's awkward. In an open, unless we all have an agreement together, like, hey, we're all going to do our act in front of each other, like treat it like, uh, pretend that you're an audience in a club. If you're not going to do that, then you have to like learn how to be cool and present and funny and this like conversational. You can't try. You can't try. Yeah, you yeah. can't. Yeah. And there's a thing in LA too, where like when you're talking about in Boston, everyone's working towards a polished act. That's true in New York too. I don't think that's the case in Austin, and mm. I don't think that's the case in LA. Right. I think there's this whole you want to be a weird, goofy guy. You want to see. You want to be. I don't even know who to say. I would say like Rory Scovel, but he's still a great guy to watch, like watch or listen to a special. But people are aiming more towards that right. than towards like like Mark Norman's like the guy in New York City right now, and it's like his jokes. You can just he can just walk up there and just start 
reciting his jokes and they work because they're airtight but they're they're, so tight yeah yeah and uh, that's what i really aspire to and i i see a lot of that in your writing it's just really sharp it's just it's just really it's just it's just really well put together and like that doesn't seem to be valued well i think that like as much as well i think that you i try to have a combination like i want to be completely present and able to be Mm -hmm. you know riffing crowd work like cool like seem like i'm not trying i try harder than anybody (laughs) um but i feel like i don't i don't like having a polished act so to speak 100 percent polished yeah Yeah, but i like but it's like i still have tight jokes i still still i'm still writing i'm still um you know i'm not just getting up there drunk and rambling you know i think some people think that when you are conversational and you're talking like that that they don't they don't have any idea the work and the writing and everything that goes into that and the you know times the hundreds of times you've talked about those subjects or whatever and so like i'm going i think for somewhere in between but i think there's like yeah you can write tight tight jokes and the one-liner of course is the far end of the extreme of that and then you can be very loose and I mean, I can love really loose people, but to me, the ideal is somewhere in between where you have both. Do you yeah. think maybe it's like a change in the way that audiences are starting to view comedy? Because like a lot of people have more access to comedy now than previously before. And now there's a lot of, like you're saying, more experimental comics that are kind of rising through. Like uh, like when you see a Bo Burnham show, it's like a whole stage experience. It's not just the jokes it's also like uh the music and it's also the lighting effects and the sound and then uh neil Brennan's three mics thing where it was like uh one-liners and then stand-up and then uh true storytelling like are we shifting towards more of a crowd that wants a little bit of that experience i guess maybe more more theatricality if people, that's the right word people want more than stand-up whether it be podcasts or a tv show or something and like even even netflix is doing half hours now or 15 minutes now and that's yeah it's i don't know where it's moving but it's definitely moving away from put out a tight hour right and Mm -hmm. whether it's within the stand-up you do something different or you just have to be i think more people are going to be view stand-up as like a secondary thing yeah, I think, and two, we, you know, we can have such niche audience situations where there's some people who want Bo Burnham and there's some people who want live stuff. There's, there, you can have everything, but I do think that what people like so much about podcasts and about stand-up is that we can say some real stuff and like there's so much that happens in media where people have to be very politically not just politically correct but like careful and Mm. you're just not and podcasts and stand-up are some of the only places where people can really talk about stuff in gray areas and the in-between and and i think people really value that and even you know bo burnham he says very challenging things in that crazily produced yeah. thing he's, he talks about real issues that people aren't really you know and he he he's talking about things um from his perspective and people like that people like perspective and yeah. voice and yeah, you can do that in stand-up you can do that in podcasts and i think there's just a hunger for that and i don't think I, like i said it's just like there's so many different people who want so many different things i don't think that it's like we're going one way or the other it's just people can find their audience absolutely yeah okay. he's very liberal <laughs> it's crazy yeah he's he's, it's a, he's one of those guys who's actually as liberal as his act says he is but there's so much conservative comedy now i'm hearing especially in new york there's so many people just like really trying to go anti people uh, comics are 
almost entirely left-leaning. There's very few who are like true conservatives. Right. But they really do like the challenge of like, how can I do a joke that's like not entirely pro-trans or not right. entirely pro-gay rights? Right? So, devil's yeah. advocation. Devil, yes, exactly. Devil's advocacy. But it's also... I mean, I don't even want to use the word libertarian anymore because that term has gotten so charged with a bunch of crap. But like we used to be able to say that because most comics have a sort of um, I wouldn't say most, but a lot of comics have that where they're devil's advocates, where they're sort of old school libertarian and they're thinking like they're not as straight down the line one way or the other. They like challenging the status quo, all that. And I think that's so important. And I think it's. I think it's something people really want from stand-up. I mean, but other people love just being pandered to, whether it's on one side or the other. <laughs> I'm picturing one person in particular <laughs> that we discussed on the car right here. Uh, um, yeah, and but but I, I mean, the comedy I love isn't. It's not like oh, I'm trying to be conservative now. It's like you have your own particular perspective. Yes, yeah. I love that stuff too. Yeah. And like you said before, it's like navigating that morally gray territory. It's like even if you are a liberal comic, it's like. There's also so much nuance within liberalism yeah, right. to navigate as well. And hypocrisy. Yes. Absolutely. And we got to call out, like, we can't drink our own Kool-Aid. Right. And I think it's, yeah, I think it's extremely important. Yeah. And if someone's talking mostly to conservative audiences, please call out their hypocrisy and idiocy. Yeah. And if you're talking to mostly liberal audiences, please call out their hypocrisy and idiocy. And Well put. Yeah. And if you can't take that material and take it somewhere else and also have it do well and it's only playing to that audience right like i don't know now sometimes you're an austin comic I am. that sounds like that's not a very austin we're trying we're trying to change that well <laughs> shitting on austin yeah <laughs> austin has like these very liberal acts that cannot cannot move yeah you can't go more than 50 miles out of town i'm hoping to change that I i'm always so. hoping to change that because you have you're, you're like that i i it's refreshing to see um, yeah, thank you. If I can backtrack to one last thing, we we're talking about when I moved to LA. Uh, I don't want to say that that a city of whatever six million people was wrong and I was right. The biggest thing I, the biggest regret I have to moving to LA too soon was having a big ego and the wrong attitude, a sense of entitlement, a, a sense of being better than I actually was, and that was that was bad. That was not good. That was a bad way to get started, and that yeah. Do you sometimes, do you think maybe if you had stayed in Austin, for instance, for a minute and learned that or stayed in Houston or gone to another city? What do you think? I don't know. Austin would, just staying in Texas would have been fun just to go between all the clubs. Uh, I, I would have tried to figure out how to, how to do better in Austin because it's such a, it's hard, but it's like a really good skill that has. Because if you can do well here, you, there's a, a certain group of people you can really do well with. And it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's the people I want to most impress. Gotcha. Pretty often, it's like more than a more than a club show in Indianapolis. Those people, like, that's cool if they laugh at me. But if I'm at like, sure thing, I want to kill. I, like, those are me. That's like the closest to an audience of me as I can find in terms of tastes. Yeah. Yeah. And you feel like you developed in a way where you kind of don't talk to them as much. I it, yes. Uh, I, I in L. A. and and doing everything now i feel like that's who i try to write for first mm -hmm. um so I, I i hope i've kicked that habit but yeah maybe i would have stuck around austin that's interesting and i mean so now you're saying you're trying to kick that habit but yeah i was just wondering if you still feel like some sense of regret like that there's something you'd still like to change in yourself or do you think you just it just took you longer it took me longer it was yeah it took me longer and then just the political setbacks of like i have so many people seeing me at my worst it took a long time wow. to earn the respect 
earned their respect. You think you seem like a douchebag in a lot yeah. of people's eyes oh, yeah. for a while. I'm sure I did, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Uh, no self-awareness walking into that city. Yeah, so you're living in L.A. and you're spending at least a fair amount of time being beaten up at open mics, but you do have a college agent and a manager mm-hmm. and this credit. And so at this point, do you start, you just kind of like when you're in L.A., you're kind of miserable, but then sometimes you're traveling and making money. I was traveling a lot. I was. It was a weird time in my life because I was having like, I was getting no respect from, I was earning I was getting no spots at show. I would, you know, email to be on book shows, get nothing, even, even like the not, not even good ones. Yeah. And they were like, no, well, we don't have any room. And so I was just be hanging out open mics, but I was on the road doing, I got really lucky and did th- two or three NACAs and booked like 50 shows that year. I got a TV show on MTV two that picked up to series. So I was busy and I was making a lot of money and I was getting a lot of stage time on the road. And when I came back to LA, nothing. So it was this weird. I was like, I would trade away half of this money just to be able to go up and do a spot on Wednesday at meltdown just sit in the back just <laughs> doing and it was such a bad time you didn't get was, to hang with the cool kids I didn't all. get to hang with the cool kids and and you know no one sees your stand up and I, I right. don't I probably don't seem like a very funny or interesting person off stage so I mean I could get why people wouldn't like me and yeah I was just so bitter and it, it brought out a lot of bad things in me I would sit there and just pick apart people's sets because I wasn't going to go up like well they're a hack and they're what they're doing is cheap and it was uh, when, uh, when do you think you finally kind of like broke through to the LA crowd or like when did you start to gain more visibility there um, I actually have a specific answer to this uh, New Faces was a, was a big sh- mm. uh, thing for me I think it cemented me as a more legitimate comic Okay, I remember I could email shows with that credit and yeah. I started, so people started asking me people saw my name on the thing were like oh come do our show and I could email and people were like yeah we'll give you a spot so when was and that that was summer 2015 okay. so two two years after I got to LA gotcha and um I did roast battle there, and I did well at the roast battle there, which was not something. It was something that I just got entered into. They they tried to give all the new faces comic sets, and they couldn't find me a stand up set. Like, want to do the roast battle? And I had never really done it. I was like, I'll fine. I won't say no because then I'd look wimpy. Yeah, you did really well for someone who'd never done it. Yeah, I got to. I got second place, Um, and it was really stressful and incredible amount of work. But it was the. It was the best experience of my life that was the best night of my life so the, that the was... night I moved on to the finals I remember like I was at a party talking to a girl and Chris Bel- Chris like leaned over a guardrail to fist bump me and I was like a guy who's <laughs> I love has never seen my stand-up I remember that was so cool and so that, that was, was 2015 that was 2015 that was at that was at new phases yeah and okay. then I started to that the, the chip off on my shoulder started to started to cock in that okay. that little little divot and uh yeah and then started and that was when i started realizing like just work on being funny like it, it the, the craziest thing i guess advice i could give to young comics is it seems so much like how do i get exposure how do i get to the next step how do i make money those things will come i thought at the time you told me like no this is all happening because i was on this day i was doing this set on this day and this person saw me it's like it would have happened some other way it's all kind yeah. of the, the timeline is is inevitable based do on your you skill know level. though why you got new faces was there a specific thing no um i i had showcased i had a tv show the year before and yeah. i i still didn't get it and i think I was just I had a good set. Uh, I was I was doing spots around town. I was getting I was getting seen as more consistent. And uh, new faces, if I may be, uh, this will make me sound like a douchebag. It's a little more shallow. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes new faces can book based on just who 
looks like they would fill a certain role right. and I, I i get that i would be great as the the goofy boyfriend on an nbc sitcom so mm-hmm. i kind of filled the maybe yeah maybe i i think i should have it should have been another year before i got it in terms of skill but they saw me as like a very castable type yeah so it probably it probably uh sped up that process That's interesting so you said you were making a lot of money uh how can you talk about how much money you were making i was making so this when I was doing college shows, yeah, 2014. Mm-hmm. that first year in LA, I was doing year and a half in LA. I was doing a lot of college shows and I made about, so what was like, my rate was like 1500 a show, maybe 17, but that's, that's, I had to pay for travel out of that. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot because you're paying for your flights, your hotel, you're paying for the taxi to the airport. You're How much for, was left after all that? I would, I would net maybe 700 to a thousand dollars. So it was great money because I was doing so many of them. And then the TV show was insane oh, the tv yeah, show uh, i'm gonna be really sorry sorry if anyone's listening uh i i, I like being pretty open about numbers because uh, maybe i'm not trying to brag on anyone i'm not trying no. to sound great um we're I was, all hoping to make money one yeah, day so yeah, i want to know how much to this. ask for the, sh- the show on mcv2 um i lose 25 percent of commission so remember that number right. but we we shot a pilot it got picked up we spent you know i spent three days going over scripts you know uh, and then one week we shot eight episodes in five days with one day off um so it was one week and i made ten thousand an episode Uh, so i walked away with sixty thousand dollars of income that was a year i think i ended up with eighty or ninety thousand dollars that year Mm -hmm. and um yeah that was a good year and then the year after that was also really good because i was doing college shows uh less of them but I get paid a little more for college shows now. And then, like, randomly, I always have, like, little things that pay a crazy amount. Like, half-hour pay is a lot of money. Um, that's, should I just say? Yeah, I yeah. think our year, we all got paid uh, $20,000 just right. you know, for one day's work. Um, and I think it's more than that now. But, like, random, I'll usually have one or two or three huge paychecks in a year and then kind of get by. So, it's it's... A very comfortable amount of money for me. It's way more than I deserve to be making. Um, I think this year my hey, salary. Let's not put it out to <laughs> people that they should be paying us less. Okay, we would all like value, to be making money. Let's value our art. Yes. Yeah. So yes. finances were. Oh, and that was the thing. Of I think like three weeks after I got fired from my job, I learned that I I got NACA Nationals, which is huh. where you showcase for every college in the country that's looking for acts, and I had a very fortunate set. Can you talk about NACA and like in terms of what the rules are for a college material? I know people have talked about that colleges are getting trickier to do nowadays with the political climate. Yeah. Or yeah, um, is your question about the performance at the NACA convention itself? Well, both at the NACA convention itself, I I can only describe it as what Sean Hannity thinks college campuses are like. It is so liberal it is uh. so like uh respect like like uh, i know i'm gonna sound offensive but like the the pronouns thing of like don't assume anyone's gender mm-hmm. uh, like respect every religion respect all these like just so criminal thought that anything it they are creatively offended on any level <laughs> uh, gender homophobia anything that they might they could yeah. potentially be conceived uh, perceived as uh, offensive is, i mean i'm is, asking specifically because of my act i'm like uh, you would have a lot of trouble i would well i would just stick to you know a lot of top i would leave a lot yeah. of topics aside. even being overtly sexual like right. anything that might have a, a victim in a joke and it used to be just oh white guys can't can't talk about that stuff yeah. now no one can right. 
Like, I'm, it, it's re- I've seen black people talk about black issues and bomb because it's like, you know, no one gets to talk about police violence. They don't want to hear about the subject of police violence. Yeah. And, and they're going straight from sensitivity talks because a lot of the other people there aren't just comedians. It's lecturers. Uh-huh. Uh, and they're going straight from these things about, like, campus sexual assault, walking right into the room and watching me talk about, like make a joke about luring my girlfriend back to my apartment after our first date. I find that so weird because I feel like that's like every college kid I bump into now wants to talk about radical social issues with me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I didn't even introduce this into the topic of conversation. (laughs) They're just ready. Yeah. So it's interesting. But well, they I, want to talk about them, but they think laughing about them right. is disrespectful to the subject. Gotcha. Maybe. Right. That's my theory. It could, yeah, it could be. The campuses themselves, the shows are fine. Yeah. Honestly, it's just like they're a little uptight, but they're also just young, and they also don't get a lot. You can kind of tell young people what to do. I mean, yeah. yeah. And you can also preface every joke with like, oh, hey, I'm an idiot, and this might offend people. Sorry. Yeah. Um, do you have a joke or like a, a type of material that typically does really well in colleges, I guess? Uh, Bad jokes. <laughs> bad jokes. Bad jokes do well. My oldest, uh, the better I get at comedy, the worse I get at doing colleges. So like, I, I usually like, dust off jokes from like yeah, pretty gotcha. early on, and like jokes that are like screamingly pro gay. <laughs> yeah. Or like yeah, like they Just don't get, pandering. I they mean, don't, you really a little bit like I, like I like to do jokes where it's like here I'm clearly pro gay rights or pro trans rights, but then now now let's facetiously attack it like or like yeah yeah one of my jokes the setup is like joke is like I hate when people use religion to ju- justify their homophobia just use science and it's this whole joke yeah. like going at it from like a scientific angle how it's way better than a, a religious one and like a college crowd wouldn't like really get that I don't right. actually believe that. Believe that. It's right. just to me, to me that joke is mocking religion. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's well, that weird thing of like people are less and less. I feel like disconnecting the art from the artist. Yeah. I guess sort of it's like, no, we need that aesthetic distance. I live in that aesthetic distance. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's like my it's real my per- zip code. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not so I, I, college college shows are, are fine they're not as fun as clubs right. but that's also because the crowds aren't as hot right like you, you it's not like warmed up there's not they're drinks, not drinking not, or in this, yeah, they're not close to the stage it's not right. a dark room with low ceilings so right. yeah you're just but you're like I'm conference hall mm-hmm. and 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 luckily now because I'm a, 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 my price has gone up a little bit it means the school is more likely to promote the show and bring students out so yeah I, I've had a lot of fun on my, most of my last college shows. Are you able to tour more independently from college shows now that you're getting more and more club gigs? After Montreal, I started getting club gigs, and I I steadily do like one a month or so. And it's uh, the money on those is pretty pretty low. It's it's kind of a flat rate, and I make less for a weekend at a club than I do for one night at a college. But it's so fun. And the thing with both, the thing with doing, I did college. I started doing colleges when I was two years in, and it was a really great way to grow and expand and like it's it's just a chance to really build out material and stretch out jokes and kind of find what you're about okay so and you started you you said you got a college agent from the from the adam divine's house party um, kind of situation or the showcase i got um so because i booked a house party some manager started messaging me of like i heard you're doing this show this guy was really uh really i guess he was good at finding new talent and he found me before i'd ever stepped foot in la and he was like hey put together a, a clean set and i taped it at colt town on a yeah. friday i went out and he was just like get a good three to five minute set super clean and i filmed it with dustin Svelock and uh since to him he passed it on to her and i think that was the process and she was just like yeah he could he could do colleges and she submitted it with that and they just started sending me out to colleges with 
no experience doing more than a, a 25 minute set <laughs> so you were doing 45 minutes or yeah i would do so i did monday punday i did a slideshow at the end so i would do like oh, okay. 30 to 35 and slowly stretch it out to 45 i see yeah. and but you didn't have to be that clean no it's no. just that they wanted the clean tape and then they you can kind of yeah i still don't know how to do 45 minutes clean that's a nightmare it seems yeah well, no, there are people who do it really well. It's just kind of... I've, it's you know. funny. Club, people who work at clubs, I've heard that so much. People who work in comedy but don't do comedy. Like I was at a festival in Grand Rapids and we were, we were all doing sets and the the, uh, the the waiters were coming by. They're like, oh, you guys are so fun. It's so fun watching you guys. We just had to watch like two nights of the clean showcase and I wanted to kill myself. <laughs> I'm like those are good clean comics. It was like it's just awful. I hate it so much. Yeah. yeah. Just no one I mean, it's just it's just better. Although I mean, I have to say, like if you look at Ellen's you know, comedy central HBO special or not comedy central HBO specials or Jim Gaffigan, people make fun of him. I don't know why. His jokes are so funny. Mm-hmm. I like what there are people who are very good at that. It's They're just very good. I just think it's always more fun if you're not being clean. I like just a little bit of dirty. I like Mulaney dirty, where he says like one F word every 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah just for emphasis. Yeah. There's also a guy named Kellen Erskine, K-E-L-L-E-N, last name E-R-S-K-I-N-E. And I hate to blow up his spot because, well, here's the thing. His act, you would watch it, you would laugh at some of the smartest writing. He has this weird, like, devilish persona, really dark kind of a really... Uh, not naughty what's what's the word like mischievous mischievous that's the word okay. yeah and you watch his act i remember we were i was at some club and he went up and all the and there was a, a video feed in the green room we we're all talking on all these older comics it was kind of an older club and we all ended up just, who is this guy because i noticed one of his jokes is really funny and we all sat in silence watching his video and he, he finished his set we're like who are you where did you come from are you new york he was like no i'm from the bay area turns out he's mormon and we didn't even notice watching. He was totally clean. Mm-hmm. We only realized after a set, like, that was squeaky clean. He's like, yeah, I don't talk about sex. I don't use bad words. His, 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 admittedly, he says my turnover is really slow, but I write, I write clean. And it's really good. It's just really good comedy. Right. Yeah. I think he's doing a TV set soon. So watch it. That's, oh, that's good. to me. It's, it's the idea that clean comedy also has to be bright and upbeat. It yeah. doesn't. It can right. be dark and evil. Totally. It's still clean. <laughs> I think that's a, such yes. a great point. Because when you think, when you say clean comedy, people think dorky, like mm-hmm. happy Pete jokes. Holmes, yeah. Right. Yeah. And. Who's a good comic. But. I, yeah. I like dorky. You go, Pete Holmes. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. But, but yeah, if you're, if you want to, that's such a good point. You can be dark and clean. You can be dark and you can be absurdist and you can be, you can really be fucked up. Mm-hmm. But that, that, that always does become the line of like, when is it not clean? Even if you're not cursing and you're not talking about sex, like when is it not clean anymore? Like how dark can you go before they're like, I don't think this is clean. Yeah. Yep. Probably no like self-harm stuff just for <laughs> anyone who's got a lot of depression and suicide jokes out there. Well, you can't talk yes. about depression and anxiety. College Depends kids hate that. About it. But I'm like, can you talk about pu- you know, poop? You know, Pubes? can you talk about, yeah, how much can you talk about? Well, he wouldn't, yeah. Well, yeah. He, you know. It's weird where the lines are, and it's weird because, like, I uh, I always say, and you guys aren't too sensitive to <laughs> slurs or anything. I say there's a dichotomy now. There's two F words. If you're in a club and they tell you to go clean, don't say fuck. Uh, if you're in a college and they tell you to clean, don't say faggot. Right. You can get away with fuck in a, in a college right. show much more easily. If you say faggot, right. you're going to get written up. You're going right. to get in trouble. Whereas it's the other way around. If you're in like a rural area, they'll, they'll laugh at the homophobia of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, 
Yeah. It's weird. What's what's considered clean now is so, so divided. And and strangely, I feel like the, the far left is way more into censorship than the right is. Uh, yes. The right just defended a pedophile, tried to defend a pedophile all the way to the Senate. And we, we kicked out Al Franken. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know. We forced him out for doing and Garrison one Keeler, millionth of what that... I'm not million. saying what he did, but fractionally, no. that's a millionth of... A millionth. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. <laughs> Not sure it was the right idea. The Puri- we're the Puritans now. Yeah, we've we become Puritans. the Puritans. Well, and if you think about like the way that um, you know liberals on, on you know painting with a wide brush, but like how we are about food, it's very religious. Like the f- food purity in terms of organic, sustainable, kale, blah 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 blah. It's really very religious how a lot it's, of people are about food. It is and veganism. Everyone's going to keep kosher fridges. You use mm-hmm. the word purity. It's 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 this idea of righteousness. Right. There is a is there is a liberal righteous ideal, and that if you stray from it, you are you are excommunicated. Yes. Like yeah. Tina Fey. Oh, supports women, but. She supports white women, so she's right. not a true liberal. Oh, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, we, we attack our own, and it's just like there's no there's no continuum of yeah, like, witch well, hunt. You do you do much more good than bad, right? Witch hunt, yeah. But that witch hunt or warlock hunt uh, culture, yeah, puritanical. Oh, we, we took oh, oh Matt Damon's defending rape. Matt Damon's done a fucking lot for yeah. a lot of things and causes, and maybe he made one statement out of line. It doesn't mean we should shun him. Yeah. He's still I don't even advocate. know what he said. So he he was like he said something to the effect. Of like there's a lot of these accusations a lot of men doing bad things but we should be careful to not believe everything yeah oh. that gets thrown out yeah well we obviously should uh, <laughs> innocent until proven guilty can we even kind of gesture toward I have no that comments on this the, because yeah. i'm a straight white man right but yeah. i'll talk about it <laughs> i i mean i'm still afraid to talk about it yeah yeah you see even that's the thing it, it right. went for me for when it was just me i was right. like i get it i get what my people have done i get why we don't we get a pretty short lease on who we get to pick yeah. on but now it's being extended to even more and more targets. even more you're a persecuted yeah. minority and you don't even get to speak your mind anymore well i mean i still can more than you thank god but yes. <laughs> um, yeah i read this really good article i have to send it to you but it was really kind of harrowing about how like we've created basically like this super weapon that can be turned on people and at first we come for the cis straight white males yes and we can ruin their lives with easily this. but but it's like okay careful everybody else who's not that you think that it's just going to be used against them wait until now it's straight white males and then it's white males and then it's white males women. and then yeah white women and gay women and whatever and it'll be able to be and you know no one will be safe yeah. um, and the way that the media is like people don't look into the full stories of things they hear oh we decided against it's this person bites. we're done yeah and and they make fun of people who watch Fox News and who are getting you know yeah. their stupid versions of, of reality and not looking into it well guess what unless you're doing the research on all these people that you decide are evil and need to be have their lives ruined unless you're really getting into this then you're the same yeah you're absolutely the same That's do some like NPR. fucking research um okay <sighs> anyway so okay you have all these agents now i mean it seems to me and you, and you moved from la to brooklyn when uh june oh the this june year? of this year yeah okay nice okay yeah. and uh you seem to be happier there i like my it guess. yeah it seems like comedy might be more fun People in New York are a little more autistic about comedy. You say artistic or autistic? <laughs> yes. Genuinely, genuinely, like it was the the most shocking thing. I've said this anecdote so many times, but uh, so sorry if anyone's listening. I said it before, but my like first like month there, I remember Mike Vecchione, a really strong comic, and one of those guys with like laser perfect wording and premises, gets off stage, and Mark Norman walks up. He's like, "Hey, I like that new bit. Have you thought about this tag?" And he goes, "That's a good idea. Hey, I, I, two of your jokes." 
Uh, I had two ideas, and they just went back and forth, just like tweaking and tagging. It was and so I beautiful. Sounds like bliss. Isn't there. it beautiful? <laughs> I never saw that. in LA. I can't tell you. I mean, I, I can think of like th- maybe five people who are like. Why do you break it down so much? Why are you so robotic and mechanical? Why you gotta like? And because I'm like, hey, have you thought of saying this word? Yeah. Because it might be a little more descriptive and, and evoke more imagery. And if you criticism. if you order it this way, it might create some misdirection. Like you're such a robot, man. Just be funny. I just go up there and like try to be funny and tell your story. Well, I'm like, no, and it's I think precision. Because that's what I say about like that in between. Like I try to have both because my inclination is to be more robotic. But I'm like, I like to learn how to be able to use my intuition and everything. But I'm like, I'm still going to break it down. Sure. Mechanic. Like you can yeah. hold space for both. Yes. Like unless you're a one liner comic who is like literally going to be completely scripted, then you can totally think of things completely analytically, but then also like not write them out. Work for word that way you can learn a lot of it intuitively and and do it like in in the moment on stage and then also be like ooh, next time i do that i'm gonna what if i change the order of those two parts of this you know three part Mm -hmm. thing or or what if i use this word here you know there's there's no reason you can't do both yeah i would say it's art and science Mm -hmm. yeah i guess i there is to me there is less gray area when you get to punchlines i think Mm punchlines tend to be word perfect and there's very little yes. wiggle room in the in the in the phrases that in their wording evoke laughter there's far less flexibility that's yes. a very you have finite to get set. punchlines right yes punchlines but then everything else gets to be very experimental and in la i didn't i didn't feel that vibe of like and you know, there's some comics who maybe who really just have a free flowy set that doesn't need all that but I'm not one of those. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I get disappointed. Some people here, I can get, but I am very hesitant to give people ideas like that. Uh-huh. And I don't want to sound like I'm coming to them being like, I'm better than you. And I'm, get, I'm like, not at all. I would love for people to give me notes. Oh. And the times that people have, I love it. Someone gave me a tag last night, uh, Jordan uh, Harden Speed, C- CB or whatever. CB yeah. He gave me this joke and I was like, that's so fun. And I, I put it into my act and it worked. And I was yeah. like, that's, I love it when people give me great <laughs> Totally. It's so great. I have like, I th- like two specific lines that I can think of that are like completely part of my act that I'm like I well one of them is so fundamental to my act now mm-hmm. and I'm like I, I can't imagine there are people who like don't take tags that people give them I'm like that Weird. is an insane but yeah I've, I've given people notes before and like I can tell from the way they respond that they're like just insulted or like wish yeah. I wouldn't or whatever and I'm just like I just that, I don't get I, those people I it it's only like a respect. Like I wouldn't do that to someone if oh, I no. didn't care at all. You know, I've seen people who were just like, I remember I, I had a tag on someone's joke and I was like, they're not funny enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to give it to them. And I'm going to repurpose that joke structure that I thought of for one of my jokes. Not yeah. like, not like something yeah, joke, but like, it was just like, he said something I'm like, Oh, that could fit in mine better. And I, I could give it to him. And I, I gave away a joke recently. I was like, use this tag. It's in my joke, but I'll take it out because it would fit your joke better and to use it and it worked. And I was like, ah, whatever. I'm a, I'm a joke nerd, I think, yeah. underneath it all. That sounds yeah. beautiful to me. Yeah. It's, it's magical. Yeah. It's really great. I love that. In a perfect world, you know, your jokes work even when you're not there to tell them. They're just better when you tell them. <laughs> That's really well said. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we have a show that they do every now and then for fun at the Valve here where people tell other people's jokes. I don't know if you've seen that. What was it? Do you remember what that's called? Oh, oh Freaky I, Friday, maybe? Maybe. It's it's some kind, yeah, it's a, a switcheroo. switcheroo. That's brilliant it's stuff. funny. The mark of a cultured city is how many comedy shows they have where you can't just go up and do your stand-up. 
Yeah. Or you have to do it in your underwear or you have to do some. And, and Austin, I did the um, the one-liner home run derby mm-hmm. show that oh, was, who yeah. was at Nick Severino's and um, Aaron Brooks. Oh, Aaron they're Brooks. so good. And I did that not knowing what to expect. And I looked through three or four years of tweets to pull out the 11 yes, jokes I, I used. Oh. And they were like, hey, that was great. And I was like, hey, thanks for coming out. That was fun. I was like, cool. Uh, I've been doing comedy for six years. So book me again in six years because yes. that's the amount of jokes I had to use to get through this right. night. But what a cool feeling to see which of your jokes stand alone as one-liners. Totally. And it, it, it made me rethink. Yeah. It was, it was it's really very neat. different trying to tell. And, and I don't know, because maybe if you're a one-liner comic, you can just do them at that. But I don't really wear a lot of those jokes. So, yeah, looking back through Twitter and trying I, to think things. Oh, like, my God. Oh my I, God. Fundamentally, my belief, and this is this is a similar experience at a comedy festival in, like, Arizona. There was a jazz show where there was a jazz band behind you, and it was in somewhat a chatty room, and people were going up there and trying to do their act. Mm. And I was watching everyone bomb, and I was like, I gotta try something different because these are good comics doing good jokes and I went up there and just looked through my whole hour at the time and just pulled out the buttons just pulled out the big final lines maybe I, I think I could do I looked at I did two liners where I could do a brief setup and then the punchline and I pulled it all out and I did th- like maybe three minutes and the jokes worked because I just took my it was a da 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 and I just did them in rhythm with the music as one-liner. And that was the only way to get a reaction out of that room. That's funny. But it was kind of, to me, like, of like oh, I am a one-liner comic who just strings it together with premises. Yeah. And I feel like that's, feel like that's a lot of comics. More, mm-hmm. more comics than would realize it of themselves. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, okay, so you're in Brooklyn now. And, and how did you decide to make that decision? Uh, my girlfriend was living in Austin. We started dating when she was in Austin. So we were doing distance. And she uh, was retiring from swimming and considering where else to live. And she said, you know, where can you live and do comedy? And I said, unfortunately, only L.A. or New York. And she applied to jobs in both and got the best offer in New York. So uh, we picked up and went there. That's awesome. Okay. And I was secretly thrilled because I always wanted to move and never had an excuse. I was yeah. actually going to move to New York yeah. before I got a house party, before I got my Comedy Central credit. I was planning. I got it all worked out in my brain. And then because I did that there, my manager was in L.A. So I was like, oh, I guess I'll go to L.A. instead. But I was like dead set on going to New York. And this feels like my... <laughs> my path got diverted and then it got right you're back on track mm-hmm. yeah but i mean in some ways you'll of course appreciate that you i, I appreciate blah, 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 blah. yeah um okay and so you haven't had a day job in several years right yeah. and you're living in brooklyn and how much time do you even spend in brooklyn like how much time are you on the road versus at home about half about half and maybe, half actually a little more right now i'm oh, maybe two-thirds of the time Nice. Okay, so that sounds ideal to me. Like, I would love to have that situation. It's nice. At home, half to so, half plus, and then traveling half plus. Mm-hmm. So, but is this, I mean, you're in a place where it sounds like you're making a decent amount of money. Um, do you have any kind of long-term trajectory of, like, I would like my career? Because you also, I know you do some acting and writing. I've seen these different movies. Do you have any idea of, like, wanting your career to be... Um, to transform over time to something else? Yeah, so like right now it's like slow. I don't know what's going to happen next year. Um, my, my calendar, my only calendars are always like three months out and then nothing after that. And like luckily stuff typically fills in, but like you just never know. And right now I, I hope to stay busy. I kind of just want to go on the road and just keep working on this new hour. Uh, it's been... <laughs> really hard it's a really hard process getting a completely new hour and and not having the jokes you think that define you and having to redefine yourself with a whole new set of jokes 
Um, it takes a lot of stage time to get there, so I want to do more of that. And I want to establish myself in New York. I'd like to get into a, a rhythm where I'm doing like just a ton of sets, just a sickening amount of sets. I want to get to that level with whatever it takes, you know, of, of impressing my peers. Um, I really want to be a good actor. I really love. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not like experienced at it, and I'm, I'm putting money and time towards building that skill. I used to be like, ugh, acting. Those for people who aren't good enough at stand up. But now it's like, I fucking love The Office. I love Thirty Rock. Those are such big influences on me. And just to get to be any part of something like that would be such a dream. Like a different dream than stand up, but like it'd be cool. Yeah. And certainly would make stand up easier. So that is, it sounds to me like what you're saying is your ideal would be to eventually get a part on a TV show that sure. you really love. Yes. Um, acting in a TV show, and then that would enhance your ability to do stand up with the freedom and, and being able to make the money that you want with yeah. stand up. Yeah. And because that's my dream, that's not going to happen. But <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's too bad that the universe works <laughs> that way. <laughs> always wanted to be on Daily Show, always wanted to be a correspondent. I've applied for it a number of times um, with no success that would also be a dream because that was such a cool thing or doing a show like that um, I have something I'm working on now that I can't I can't really discuss but it's pretty far along and really promising but it's something in the unscripted world and um, I'll probably know by the middle of next year or end of next year and that would be if it, if it went the way I wanted it to it would be absolutely life changing and more than anything, just something to keep me busy. That's all I really want. <laughs> I just want to set an alarm. Don't want to think about death. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah exactly. So, in terms of, it sounds like one of your shorter term and, goals is to get well to get your hour ready. Do you know? Mm -hmm. Do you have uh, someone who's producing your hour, or is it no. just you're just getting ready? Just, just getting ready. I'm, I'm, part of me doesn't want to put it out. I, I worked five years on my first album, and mm -hmm. I, I wish I had. I would love to do it now. I would love to just take that plus whatever I've written since. But yeah, I mean, and then putting out a new one means writing a new one. Right. <laughs> so yeah, let that keep yeah. simmering for a while. Sure. More than anything, I want to be a better comic. I want to get to whatever place it is where I can write more freely, like where I can just have an idea and make it into a joke faster and better because it's such a slow process i wish i didn't have to and i wish i was a, a more natural performer i wish i could be in the room i wish i could do crowd work and riff the way my my heroes do i'm taking improv ah. i don't know what it takes to get that level but there's there's something i need to figure out it, it feels like one of those people who goes to the gym every day and just does like upper body movements and yes. it's like isn't getting stronger so they keep doing upper body and the whole time they need to be I'm doing their legs the definition i yeah. want to see it yeah, yeah they're like why am i not why am i not getting stronger it's like you need to be doing and it feels like i've just worked on my my writing yeah and not my performance and it's like and and like i still i'm like well maybe i just need to write better but like at this point i clearly need to be it shouldn't yeah. be this hard to write like i need to figure out how to be a better performer mm -hmm. no I think that's interesting because that's how I think of it I think I wrote this down the other day I wonder if I wrote it in my little leading the blind notes because I kind of was starting to think about what we do in terms of like four categories I hope I wrote it down because otherwise be, oh yeah okay so then I think there's your voice mm -hmm. your skills your act and your writing like those are the four things that you could work on so you've got you're still struggling with your writing, but that's I, kind of something that you've been. More I, I take pride. I think I like my writing. But I, I mean, in terms of the it being too time consuming or too arduous think, of a process. Sure, I think I think my skill my skill at writing is my strongest, and I 
I'm working on that when I should be working on my skills as a performer. Skills. My skills, yeah. Right. Because writing would be, I wouldn't have to write as hard if right. I had more skill. Yes. Yeah. And that's so, that's an interesting because like I sometimes will make these decisions in life where I'm like, well, why don't I do the thing that I wouldn't do? Like mm-hmm. when I was going to buy my first real smartphone, I was like, I would buy an Android. So I'm going to get an iPhone. And I feel the same way about like, all the, the skills like I'm very much more writerly and so I went hard the other way and I I started this show that was like one week was all riffing off of topics one week was all crowd work one week was all heckling and so you know and and that like I would highly recommend anywhere that you could get like if they have those kind of theme shows I mean next time you're in Austin first Friday you can certainly do my headline show you'll definitely see some people build muscle on that stage any of the stone versus drunk versus sober show kind of like like there's things in Seattle too there's different ones where they're themed like that's a way to like work on your riffing um, and crowd work like anything themed like that Mm -hmm. it helps you so that you don't have to feel like an asshole or Mm -hmm. like it's not as vulnerable to try those things Um, it's it was yeah. amazing getting I, to do that show. I, this sounds cocky. Sorry, I'm not that that good. <laughs> I'm not. My comedy's not that good. But my my writing is my act is strong enough that no matter how bad it's going, I can typically just go into one of my jokes and I'll get the crowd on my side eventually. Right. So I'm always afraid to just be like, let's wander off. Right. Let's do something weird and and not have no. No, like, witty punchlines to fall back on. But That's I never do. That's why those do. theme shows are so great. Yeah, theme shows so great. and shout-out improv. It yes. will help with that. Yeah, well, shout-out improv. Well, no, not sh- shouting out. I was oh, shout-out out to improv. Shout-out to I just started. Improv. I'm three classes in. Hey, okay. there we go. So is and improv, I expect babe. to spend another $10,000. Yeah. <laughs> just to get to level it, three. It is that expensive. Seek, Seek that comedy money. It, it, it is the... that expensive, considering you're not pl- paying for textbooks or supplies. <laughs> Yeah. It's just like, uh, but yeah, but it, it'll definitely help with that 100%. How long have you been doing it? I've been doing it uh, three years. Mm-hmm. Three years. Um, but just like l- learning that you can eventually get to the funny part and knowing that the funny will come eventually because mm-hmm. you're a funny person. Yeah. And faith. like, yeah, faith in yourself and your product is like, yeah, I'm going to say something funny eventually. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love it so much yeah. more than like delivering material honestly yeah. it's the best when it, a riff works oh it's there's no yeah and then when you try to recreate it and it never works again no you learn how to recreate it <laughs> really yeah okay. yeah you'll get i mean i feel like an asshole telling you things like that because <laughs> i'm like clearly no more than i you're, do well, everyone you're, has apologized for feeling like an asshole this we all have different like strengths and weaknesses but that's something i think because of the your trajectory in those first few years um starting the way you did in houston mm-hmm. and then getting those early opportunities like i've kind of kept myself not kept I don't know how to put it but like I've I I knew I wanted to develop into the comic I wanted to be before I like got out into the bigger world as much Um, and so like I kind of feel like I'm kind of ready now to start doing that but I'm like I mean I and it's a woman thing too you know that thing about how we don't apply for jobs until we're 110% and y'all are 60% and but I'm like I want to be the thing. strongest fucking, you know, comic and I want to be, I want to have my material and I want to have my skills. And so, you know, but I'll tell you, there's, yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing better than like having that faith in your ability to riff and to get, yeah. to get to that punchline. Um, and it just works. And and it only works if you're talented, but you are talented. Well, it's yeah. hard. It's like when you said, you know, earlier, and that's something people say a lot. Like, if you just keep working on being funny and all your skills, it will come. And it's like, yeah, that's true if you're talented. Yeah. 
but you will you, your timeline is based around your your, your ability and your work ethic yeah. and people people are so afraid they're not gonna get spot spotted and it's like it'll, it'll happen if you have the talent and you work your ass off the opportunities will come yeah yeah and 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 in due time right and and the the biggest setback is going to be if you're if people smell you reaching too hard for opportunity rather than ability right that will hold you back so much more than and if you're just a decent person to be around if you're humble and if you're um you just <laughs> sorry i got a text um the whole people people just trying to push their credits on you right it doesn't it's not gonna no one impress likes anyone. it no one no one at it. any level likes it no so one at any level likes it i mean it kind of works on low-level comics you're like whoa wow what but <laughs> some of them yeah. we're just glamored like you're a doesn't work in austin vampire. for sure yeah uh, which is There's a lot of cool kids here a lot of cool kids and a lot of people with no credits who are fucking hilarious and i do I not want to follow it's crazy ever. i know it's crazy isn't it um, but I mean, some people here are doing it for the love of the game more than anything, and that's mm-hmm. a beautiful thing to be around. Uh, okay, so we're gonna have to we're, we're running toward the end of our time, but uh, I do want to quickly talk about your other projects. Like, um, it seems like your Monday Pun Day, your sculptures, like these are things you just are kind of fun thing. Do you even do them really anymore, or is it? Yeah, it's just like Monday Pun Day is weekly, and. Um, yeah, I still sculpt a lot. Sculpting's a beautiful one because beautiful, sorry. It's for me it's really it's really a wonderful experience because it's there's no way that will ever uh, there will never be a confluence into my my comedy career. Yeah. It's I mean it's never going to be a thing I'm pressured. Monday Punday is now a thing I'm pitching and 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 it's a it's a big part of of my work now. Um, and so now I have pressure to actually continue at a strong output and, and, and a lot of people check it weekly and I don't want to let them down. So now it's okay. the thing I have to do and I hate doing the things I have to do. I only like yeah. doing the things I don't need to be doing. And yeah. This whole thing will forever be unimportant. <laughs> so how do you wish that you had not done Monday Punday? No. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 that's, that's been really wonderful. I'm really happy I did that. That's I was been trying to so figure out what it was. So, I mean, I, I went to the website and it's like there's these pictures and then it says like... You have to solve them. Ins- oh, so, so you're solving them in terms of... Puns. Is it a one word? It's a common phrase or title. Oh, okay. Common phrase or title. So the that classic example is like a caveman sculpting a vase it would be a Harry Potter. So it's drawings oh, like that. And I've that's what was in your binder that people are telling me about. Yes, hundreds of those, and they're they're puzzles. They're not intended to be funny. They're oh, that's what I was getting. They're, they're riddles. They're brain games, <laughs> and I've had uh, a, a lot of fun with those. I do those at shows, and I do those with strangers at coffee shops. And uh, do you yeah. give out prizes sometimes? Nah, I used like, to, but people people genuinely like playing. People get yeah. really really competitive and. Oh, that's fun. It's All like right. trivia night, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love those kind of added things. It seems to work really well. Mm-hmm. It's like people who have some kind of interactive, fun, added mm-hmm. thing where it's not just stand-up. Even yeah. as much as I love stand-up, it's just, you. why not add something? Well, I started doing that before I started doing stand-up. That was just something I did, uh, just drawing for co-worker. I, I put it online, put up one every week, and now I'm pitching that as a TV show. Um, so that's like, uh, that's very exciting. Cool. Yeah. All right. Um, oh, yeah. We wanted to talk about um, the negative side of fame, which, I mean, feel free to not make the disclaimer about that you're not like famous, famous. You know, we get it. Thank you. People are. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Brett, did you want to talk about this? Well, 
granted, I don't know very much about it, but I remember at the time there was a lot of, like there was like a chain or something on Reddit of people being uh, very rude to you and to your girlfriend and kind of uh, denigrating her appearance in respect of to you. Yes. Yes. And you went on the record. When did like, this even happen? I um, This was summer 2016. I did Conan. Uh, and my uh, set, which my brother posted on Reddit, got to number one on videos. And it got to about a million views. And it got a uh, overwhelmingly positive response. The comments, I didn't read too deep into them. I really, really tried to avoid them. Uh, were, were mostly uh, mostly positive. People, people liked that set. Um and uh, I I looked at a couple and I saw maybe three nice ones. I'm like, that's great. I don't need to read the Duh, criticisms. Yeah. Done. Clearly, that's great. I I've lived on Reddit for many years now. It was one of the most it was one of the most validating things I've done. I never would have thought that community would have would have liked me because they hate everything uh, yeah. and they're awful sometimes. And when they don't like something, they they don't just want to hate it. They want to tear it to the ground and, and piss on the ashes. Um, but somewhere in those comments, my, my girlfriend kept reading and someone posted something about, it was a story about meeting me and I came in and hung out and I was, it was something like me being mysterious and then being fun, like surprisingly nerdy to talk to and overall pleasant. And in this story, which I didn't, I couldn't figure out who the person was or where it was. Yeah. They mentioned my girlfriend was there and that she was like otherworldly beautiful, like some alien goddess, like it could have been it was a very embellished story I don't remember what it could have been that I would have even had a girl with me and someone's like oh I wonder what his girlfriend looks like and then someone posted Laura Sogar she was a national team swimmer here's some pictures of her and posted uh, posted a picture posted some pictures of her and then the comments were fucking awful it was just all these people like oh she's not that hot she looks like a default sims character oh she's not what an exaggeration and it was all these things that were just even even some people were like i think she's hot and goes like oh she's not that hot and it it was because they're just virgins angry angry boys who just masturbate all day to photoshop porn right people need to have their opinions about whether someone's hot or not yeah yeah whether they'd fuck her or not it's like she's not fucking you she's not gonna fuck you (laughs) if you're typing this comment right now you're not a guy well first of all she's fucking me and no one else uh and no it was and and i I, i'm not proud of my response to it when my my girlfriend showed it to me i'm like yeah comments are awful don't read them and and i was still really basking in the glory yeah and she was she was really hurt by it and she explained it to me and we ended up um, she she wrote a post that we kind of both I wrote a post and we sure was we kind of wrote it together, uh, explaining the worst aspect of it was that it was the opening line was she was a national team swimmer, and nowhere after that did it discuss like she was like they could have asked if I made the Olympic team. It was during the Olympics. This was the night of the opening ceremony. No one asked, oh, what was her event? What were her times? They could have, they could have criticized her swimming and that would have been better yeah, than, right. than complimenting her looks. It was just her looks. All of these assessments of me right. were fairly broad. Oh, he's, uh, he's he looks like a, like a jock, but like, oh, but his jokes are about science. And he seemed like, it was like, it was, they, right. they tended to dissect me, whether they for better or worse. Her. Yes, for all of my traits and her just for her looks. And that was the disgusting part. And that was kind of eye-opening for me. The women are really only rated on whether or not you'd fuck them. And and she wrote a really nice statement of like, I I would like to be judged 
for my, I, I understand being judged for my appearance, but there is so much more to judge before. Right. Yeah. And, Do you uh, think that affected like maybe the way that you treat uh, other female comics? Just like this kind of yeah. eye-opening experience. Like, she's she's opened my eyes on a lot of levels. Yeah, and it's it's very because she's such an impressive person, and she it it was really she I, I I don't know if she appreciates me talking about this. She was a really good swimmer. She was fourth at trials, the top two make it. That was in 2012. Hmm. She had the time to make the team in 2016, but the race is a one you have one chance to qualify and just had an off meet she was yeah. over, she was a second faster than the girls who made the team she was good enough and and it, it was really hard and swimming's a lot of that and yeah. and in the midst of all of that watching you know the, the the olympics on television people just being she's not that hot and to be fair <laughs> so she is she's really hot she's really good looking right. <laughs> yeah she's it was it was good hot, and she, right. the article got shared i mean the, uh, the 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 thing she wrote up on it got shared on a lot of things and she got uh, some positive attention for really uh making lemonade out of it she she took it yeah. instead of being petty and angry she I think she showed some people, myself included. Did that make you worry at all for yourself, but especially for protecting your loved ones in terms of increased amounts of fame in the future? Like, yeah. How, yeah, do, how do you? What, is there any? Are there any tactics you think that advice? Yeah. I I've noticed. I get angrier reading the comments on my friends' videos than my mm-hmm. own. And I, I gave the advice to my brother and my girlfriend to never read the comments because I can deal with the criticism. Right. You're going to see stuff that's going to really make you angry and you're going to want to argue with people. Right. It's just not worth that's reading. That's such a good... I've never heard someone say that. Like, make sure your loved ones don't read the comments either. Yeah, I, I learned you. that the hard way. And I told her thinking... I didn't think that would happen. I was yeah. like, you're going to read people say nasty stuff about me and it's going to mess up your day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, turn off Google Alert. God, yeah, I don't <laughs> Don't read. turn on Google Alert. Why <laughs> yeah. would anybody? <laughs> Dude. Um, yeah. I okay. got a nasty tweet this week, which rarely happens to me. Right. But uh, you will see it, right? Yeah. And that's just, yeah. I, how much time? I had something really, I have to talk about this. Go ahead. This happened to me this week. I was at Ginger Man. You know the show, The Ginger Man? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I went up. It was um, the room. It's a great room. Every comic should do it. But the crowd that night was like, strangely like, with you for two minutes and then not with you. So there was like a distant crowd. I did, uh, I was there and uh, I was going last and like the host was up at some point in the show and someone in the audience just shouts, is Broussard coming? Which is something that never happens to me. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's interesting. Like, oh yeah, Broussard's closing out. And I look at him, I try to get an eye on him, but I, I can't recognize him. Uh, I go up and do my set and I had a good like first four minutes and then just really not <laughs> did not really get the crowd for the rest of the yeah. show if you had seen just the last 10 minutes of my set you would have said i bombed and i left and i was like it was it was my first set in a week and i was like that didn't feel great that i i don't like that set i did something wrong i mean the, yeah and then the next morning i woke up and it was a tweet from what looked like the same guy in the audience that says uh at matthew broussard is a terrible comic waste of time <laughs> I was like, what is this? And it hurt because at first I thought it was just a troll and it was a reply to one of my political tweets. And I looked at it. I was like, this is that guy. He follows me. He came to my show and waited through the whole show. changed his mind about you. Yeah, that really hurt. But then I looked at his profile and his background was an American flag. And he bragged about being (laughs) a libertarian. That's such a like red flag, (laughs) the American flag. Yeah, it's most, and it it, it is, is, I thought it was a bot about how patriotic it was. Mm. And his bio was talking about how he was like, the kid's like 25 and he's Mm. like an entrepreneur. And like some very, he was like the free market. I believe the free market will solve all of our problems. Oh, great. And he yeah. was retweeting Fox News. It's and too bad James the free Woods. market doesn't exist. All right. Yeah, right. Do you know what Babson College is? Mm-mm. 
Babson College is an undergraduate school that only offers business degrees. If that oh, gives you some idea of gotcha. the culture, whatever you're picturing is not hyperbolic enough. Gotcha. This kid, I had to research it, was the founder of the Babson College Ayn Rand Foundation. Uh, Whoa. Yeah, I feel like we can lose words. I feel like that's, yeah. not. And I realized, not oh, a lot of my jokes, as, as much as I, I bombed. Maybe because he also, doesn't believe in science. Yeah. He, he's not a Trumpist, but like there were a lot of my jokes were like, I'm sick of white guys like me trying to make it sound like they've had any struggle. It was, yeah. I, had, I had some jokes like that and I, I don't know what got him, but yeah, weird experience. Yeah. And it's such a weird impulse. Who is he even tweeting at? Like he's going to, his 280 uh, followers. Right. That, he, that need to know, like they haven't, I mean, no offense, but they haven't heard of you. Like yeah, no, what, why he thinks he's doing anything by tweeting that. It's just whatever. Yeah. And uh, what did Chappelle sh- say on his special? He's like, lady i get paid for the attempt (laughs) yeah yeah. it's not like oh you didn't laugh you get your money back it's like yeah that's not how this works i didn't go back at him i just said hey sorry for the lackluster show you guys were a good crowd and deserve better but i really wanted to just take a picture of my tax returns like well the free market (laughs) says i'm a good comic look at how much money i make (laughs) yeah it's so good all right um well i would have so many other questions for you and you know what we'll have you back on again one day for sure um but let's move to our lightning round for lack of a better uh, yeah, there you go um, what is the best advice that's ever been given you about comedy or a comedy career man I don't know I don't know who gave it to me I just know what's the I don't know I don't know any specific line that's been given to me other than I mean what I was told at the beginning just go up no Chase DeRusso that was who it was Chase DeRusso I was, it was in the middle of the uh, Houston's Funniest Person contest I was a year into comedy and I was just eking by every round in the semis I was one of the last qualifiers I'm sorry in the prelims I was one of the last qualifiers to get to the semis in the semis I was one of the last qualifiers to get to the finals and I said I said I'm really nervous like I, I want to do well but I haven't been doing very well and Chase is like I think you can win I was like I'm a year in I'm not going to win he goes here's who's going to win the guy who does the most sets between now and the finals is going to win mm-hmm. I was like I can that's that's not a creative thing. I can just go up and do the most sets. And I did as many as I could. And I remember like that was that was awesome advice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's one piece of advice you'd give yourself your first year doing comedy? Like if you were your own Chase DeRusso. Yeah. Uh, humility, <laughs> humility, humility. You're not good and you're not going to be for a while. And, and let your comedy do the talking. And, and it's okay that you're not the best comic. People are going to like you for you. And that's way more important than killing or building credits. Mm-hmm. Be pleasant. Mm-hmm. Be, mm-hmm. be a decent person. Be nice. Everyone has something that they know about comedy that they can teach you. That's a good point. Um, and if you could tell newer comics to stop doing something, what would that be? Uh, trying to make yourself sound important. I'm like, yeah, I have a feature weekend coming up. Yeah, oh. I just showcase for. Mm-hmm. I will like you more thinking you have less going on. Yes. If someone who's if someone goes on stage and has a better set than me, and I learn that they have a, a day job and are like still struggling to get like recognized by a club, I'm like, I'm going to invest in you. You're right. my you're my underperforming stock or what undervalued stock. <laughs> yes, yes. And I, I for me now, I love. I have like I, I pick up pet projects of people who are like you. Are, are like 
at this level, but the community sees you at this level, I'm going to invest in you so right. that when you're successful, you'll owe it back to me because once you have success, then I can't win your favor. Right. This is a great time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's such a good way to put it. Undervalued stock is way more interesting to people way than overvalued more. stock. Paint your, paint your, that was, you know, Sam Damaris told me that and I mm-hmm. brushed it off. Paint yourself as the underdog. Mm-hmm. Lying to make yourself sound like you yourself have less going on. It's the instincts are the opposite. Right. Your instincts are to make yourself sound important, like, downplay it <laughs> yeah there, there's nothing more impressive than when someone just hides what they have going on and then you read online later that while you were talking they were like what's going on like not much that they just had a pilot get picked up yes that's the coolest fucking thing it's totally true that is such a true thing i mean you you see it in your own life anybody who you know i remember i was talking to this guy at uh at this show in la that like I didn't even know he was one of the comics on the show, mm-hmm. but then he was fun to talk. And then I was, oh, and he was, but then he, he goes up there and it turns out. Was it out, Seinfeld? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld. Um, I honestly am going to butcher his name, but it's like Jabui. You probably know. What, whoever it is, I mean, immediately he has, you know, 70,000 Twitter followers. He's got like some kind of TV thing, whatever it is. And he just, you would have had no idea. We were both just two comics who were like, oh, we're going to. Was be- it a big black guy? A small black guy, actually. Oh, okay. Well, I'm probably butchering the name. <laughs> I can't remember. This okay. is, this is Djibouti, yes. A country. <laughs> it's it was Djibouti, yeah. Next to uh, Ethiopia. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, last question, and I know you haven't been in Brooklyn very long, just since June, mm-hmm. um, but what is one thing you could change about the Brooklyn scene or the comedy scene there? In Brooklyn or New York? Uh Maybe specifically Brooklyn, just to keep it. I don't do much in Brooklyn. Um, Uh, Or New York, then. Yeah, Yeah, that kind of answers itself. I guess I don't think of those as being like separate scenes. I find there's a little bit too much um, machismo in in some of the New York scene I see. Mm. So maybe a little bit less of that. By machismo, do you mean like homophobia oh. <laughs> a little bit a little okay. bit of just like the classic dude of like and i'm not gonna hold another dude's hand or like why is that a lot of like shitting on women just pretty easily okay. like oh women always uh, always starting fights always irrational kind of stuff i'm like my wife she always wants my yeah. money she's yeah. always trying to get the, my money <laughs> when it's good it's great yeah. like sam Morrill had a joke the other day women you can fake an orgasm, but you can't fake a good mood. <laughs> like, yeah, that's good massage. That At good. least it's thoughtful. Yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, so true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you for complimenting my lesbian joke, by the way. That was like, I loved getting the oh, yeah. validation on oh, that my one. God. Yeah. yeah, what you were saying, you, instead of watching this um, bullshit fake lesbian porn, you wanted would, to watch us. Well, I, yeah, it's. I'm more interested in their communication skills than right. their sex life. Of like, <laughs> watch these two hot lesbian sluts resolve an argument by listening. That would be way better lesbian porn. Oh my god! Oh, so I wanted good. to do just. I just wanted to do a lesbian joke that was was not focused on their sex life because it's always like lesbians and their sex and it's scissoring and I want like, yeah. no, it's too. It's wanted something to just maybe shine the light elsewhere. But. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so good. Okay. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on to endorsements. Let's endorse comedians. Or because I'm going to slightly cheat, um, <laughs> comedy related things. I'm just not prepared this week for to endorse uh, like a comic that I haven't said before. Except that um, 
The thing comedy related that I listened to this week was Mike Kaplan's recent episode of You Made It Weird. I just really enjoyed it. It's like two and a half hours and it's just so good. It's just like dense. Them going back and forth. They run in like they'll go down 12 tangents before maybe circling back and it's just great. Yeah. Every minute of it. He's very brilliant. Mm -hmm. He's like very much that kind of comic where you're like, I'm just going to ride this ride (laughs) and see where he takes me. It's amazing. Uh, I'd like to... um, say chad daniels he's a he's i would say he's at the same level to me in my mind like as maybe tom segura but with less visibility than Mm -hmm. tom segura like in terms of i think he can book the same rooms as that absolutely and he already has a special out and you can watch it on youtube for free um and he's also uh featured at velveta room before mm-hmm. he's come through here uh but he's really smart really sarcastic uh just kind of like that biting wit and definitely one of those comics who isn't going to tell you what you want to hear but tells you what you need to hear which love I, that stuff, yeah. I love it it's a good level of comic that's a yeah. great one because it's like there's enough out there and he has somewhat of a following that's a good mm-hmm. pick can i do like four <laughs> i mean you can but i'm only going to post one of them on the facebook page okay so. yeah uh beth selling is doing something unbelievable in comedy she has a half hour on netflix she has a half hour on comedy central she probably has an album out it's just a it's just a good voice it's a good it's funny and it's really fresh in a really simple way um if sean Patton is in your town go on his website and look at his calendar see that guy live there is nothing like it um it is it is the best live performance it is the hardest i've ever laughed second hardest i've ever laughed uh and then maybe uh lisa traeger lisa traeger is also also really worth seeing live if she's coming through your city and you said she's a lesbian now um, her la- she just got out of a lesbian relationship. Okay, interesting. So she doesn't know what she is right now. She's she's deciding. She well, is single. Does? <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, cool. Shout out, listen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you're looking for a confused woman, yeah. Um, <laughs> awesome. Well, these are great. I'm going to pick my favorite and put that and put that one out there. And you've also endorsed Kellen Erskine, right? Kellen Keller? Erskine. Kellen he Erskine. doesn't have as much online, but... Gotcha. He is oh the underdog. You know what? He's, he's an undercard. Yeah, yeah. I might I might change the endorsement section next time to like, who? What's the best live performance you've ever seen from any comic? So. Brent Weinbach. Really? But I was, I was very say, high. You had a number. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. No, we'll would, always preface what drugs we were on when we. I would enjoy it either way, but Brent Weinbach was the hardest I've ever laughed at a comic. Just this opening bit where mm-hmm. he doesn't. He just he starts clapping. He doesn't. He doesn't. He just. It's just what he does with his hands for like three minutes. It's mm-hmm. Insane. <laughs> I haven't seen that, but I will look forward to it. All right. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. That was awesome. Yeah. All right. Now before keep it crispy. Yeah. Keep it. Um, so now, will you actually just just real quick introduce the episode? Yeah. All you have to say is that it's leading oh. the blind with Ariel Norman and Brett Vervoort. Vervoort. Yeah. Should I write it down? Repeat. Yes. Uh, okay. Brett Vervoort. Yeah. Brett Vervoort. Ariel Norman. Ariel Norman. Do you Brett prefer Vervoort. Matt or Matthew? Doesn't matter. It just kind of doesn't matter. Uh, written, I wouldn't mind Matthew, just yeah. for the sake of uh, keeping it consistent I'm on gonna Google. I'm going to write it how yeah. it sounds rather than how it's spelled. <laughs> He's a smart guy, but... Yeah. Um, and then, you know, if you want to say something about yourself as an intro, or if you want to say something funny, you can, but you don't have to. It's just that mm. way. That's the first thing that they hear. Are we so doing they know. also? Oh, I forgot about plugs. Yes, we'll do plugs real quick. Sorry, okay. if we have time. Okay. Let me do it. Uh, when is this yes. coming out? You can do it whenever. Um, this should be coming out next Thursday. I don't know what today is. Still so after the new year. Wait, no. The, the, the episode just came out on the 28th, right? This is actually going to come out on the 11th. 11th. I'm trying to do every other week now. Um, whenever? Yeah. Yep. 
This is Leading the Blind with Ariel Norman and Brett Vervoort, and I am Matthew Broussard. That's my, uh, that's too fake of a voice. <laughs> no, that was wonderful. And yeah, uh, Matthew Broussard at Monday Ponday. Do I do that? I'm Matthew sure. Broussard, the author of, I'll do a redo it. <laughs> uh, this is Leading the Blind with Ariel Norman and Brett Vervoort. I am uh, Matthew Broussard, uh, the author of MondayPunday.com and a stand-up comedian sometimes. Yeah, we're going to keep in the whole thing. So Okay. Because um, I definitely liked your radio announcer voice. Okay. Well, thank you very I, much. I don't know why you don't talk like that. You're wrestling it. Add it to the yeah. real. <laughs> okay, cut. And now let's do some endorsements um, here. Okay, I forgot about endorsements. Or not endorsements. I forgot plugs. about plugs. Well, you, you get it. Uh, we're, we're endorsing ourselves now. Um, yeah. All right, so the, let's see. Of course, go to arielnorman.com if you want to um, you know, get more information. But I'm actually going to be in Houston tonight at Avant Garden at 9 p.m. doing Gabe Bravo's God Damn It show. And then on Friday the 12th, I'll be at the Secret Group at 8 um, uh, oh, and then um, next weekend I'll be hosting at the Velveeta Room for Jake Flores all weekend. So come see some of those shows. Yay. Uh, hey, uh, if you're listening to this, uh, this Saturday the 13th in Austin, I will be doing the first of Robert Segovia's Comedy Batch Comedy Showcase which is going to be at this great uh, brewery, which also makes killer kolaches. So if not for the comedy, stay for the kolaches. What's the brewery called? I think it's uh, something brewery and kolaches. I should know this. Okay. Um, but also uh, Friday the 19th, uh, the sketch group I'm in, Eggs, is going to be performing in Frontera Fest. So that'll also be a cool thing to check out. Uh, Frontier Fest is a great Austin tradition. You should go see some weird experimental theater people have been writing. <laughs> nice. All right, Matt. Do I plug? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh. Plug um, anything you want. It doesn't have to be shows. You know, it could be I plug. I'd like to plug... Um, what would I like to plug? I'd like to plug putting spinach in smoothies. If you do fruit smoothies, spinach has a crazy amount of nutritional value just as much as kale, and you can just shove in a whole handful into like a pineapple, banana, or strawberry smoothie, and you really don't taste it. It's like a way to like sneak a salad. Can I say, first of all, kale ruins smoothies, but you know Kale's what you should awful. try? Arugula. Arugula? Delicious. I think I've accidentally done it. It's a little bitter. It's, it's a little a, more it's taste. Peppery. but It's a little nutty. But it's a little like, nutty. If okay. you do it with peanut butter and fruit and... Okay. I do peanut butter. I do peanut butter oh. almonds. Yeah. Peanut butter, banana, and then, yeah, that's those are such strong... <laughs> To flavors together you don't taste any of the greens mm-hmm. and oh it's so fiber you you shit great i have heard <laughs> that the blending actually like kind of removes the fiber because your body doesn't process it that way but <sighs> sorry what uh, the secrets of juice land could i'm endorsing us. having never heard that sorry i'm gonna pretend i didn't hear that <laughs> um uh if you're bored check out my website mondaypunday.com it's also an app and i have an album on spotify called pedantic and um, uh, stay hydrated and get a lot of sleep. That's so important. It's yeah. so, it's such a, if you're like, why am I, why is my life falling apart? Why am I so depressed? Like, I know there's a lot of things that could be leading to that, but like it's getting water. more water and sleep, eat sleep. It can't hurt. Can't Can I hurt. say you've only had like three ounces of water this whole time and I've had a whole pint. So. Ah, but I chugged before I got here. You're right. You're right. I'm a hypocrite, but I don't yes. like. Si- I don't want to have like a loud. I wasn't going to say slurper. anything during the podcast, but you sounded very parched. Mm. I was coming off real parched. <laughs> I did not sleep well last night. <laughs>
All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> International.